Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I'm joined by the ship-chasing boys, Peter Overzet and Patrick Corain here. We're going to do some player news and notes stuff today because we're actually starting to get real news. Pete, we're hearing the, the drumbeat, the steady, the steady drumbeat for LaVisca Chenault, for DeAndre oh. Swift, but also we all just drafted together against each other, uh, I think for the first time this offseason in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. There were some snipes and some re-snipes. Uh, we, we've had a couple of days to sit back and think about our teams. Pete, how are you, are you feeling about the team you drafted in the Kentucky State Fantasy Football Championship main event? Yeah, the, uh, the end game of the draft was a little frustrating. So in the moment, I didn't love our, how the draft overall felt. But now that we have it in the rearview mirror, uh, I feel better about it. And just to set the table for people, if they're used to thinking about things from FFPC settings, the difference is that you can't start four running backs like you can in FFPC. It's two running backs, three wide receivers, one flex and it's also not tight in premium so it kind of skews to more wide receiver heavy builds and the draft was uh, reflective of that as those wide receivers came off the board quickly the thing I love about our team is we have a six starting lineup in that we prioritize George Kittle in the second round and we also grabbed what we thought was a pretty good value Josh Allen in the ninth round he went off the board after guys like Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz who normally go after him so I like our starting lineup I feel a little exposed at wide receiver but otherwise these are the kind of builds I like well and of course you know Pat got his guy he got he got Ronald Jones he took him he took him in the he took him in the sixth round uh I have to say though me and my buddy we took DeAndre Swift and uh you know, after hearing some of the stuff that's come out the last two days as we are, we are just getting inundated with training camp news. I mean, it is just – and no one's working harder to cover it than Peter Overset, obviously. You know, he's deep in the athletic, just reading all of the uh, the trainer notebooks. <laughs> the funny thing but, is, uh, I am actually deep in the athletic, and I've oh, been sending, sending stuff to Pete because I've been sending stuff to both of you on Twitter, but I've also been G-chatting Pete some additional nuggets and he just doesn't even respond. So he can't even absorb it even when it's getting force fed to him. Well, why would he need to absorb something he already knows? (laughs) I'm literally brushing my teeth last night, getting ready for bed. And Pat's just sending me just a blitzkrieg of athletic screenshots over G chat. And I'm like, I can't even respond to one of these. Like I'm really trying to mentally wind down right now. What's that? 
latest uh, on Dan Arnold, bud. Dan Arnold, I haven't seen anything on from the reports, but Jalen Rager is looking real good. And uh, all these beat writers from Philly last year, they were just doing the steady drum beat on Miles Sanders, and it has switched over to Jalen Rager this year. So that was uh, some of the propaganda that I was sending Pete since we have Jalen Rager on our main event team. But, uh, yeah, that's that's been one. I'm surprised Twitter isn't a little bit more buzzy on him because the, the beats have been loving him. Well, Twitter, like, uh, Rager was one of the guys we acknowledged after the NFL draft would be good for redraft. But to, uh, to Peter's point from the other day, it was like Twitter just realized that A.J. Dillon might get significant carries this year when they saw right. his quads for the first time. Like, literally, it, was, it seemed like the first time that many people had considered that A.J. Dillon might be a factor in redraft leagues was when they saw that picture. And also, the other thing, too, is, like, everyone agreed at Dynasty, and not to get away from the running backs, but everyone agreed that this was probably the best wide receiver rookie class since the 2014 year. Lots of those wide receivers from that 2014 class had immediate impacts, and yet the drafts still haven't been that reflective of the immediate impact that these guys like Brandon Ayuk and LaVisca Chenault and Jalen Rager are going to have, which is, I think, just a mistake that people are making. Like the, the fact that Chenault's ADP still isn't right next to Brandon Ayuk's is wild. Agreed. You're and, starting to see Rager move up a little bit in some of the high stakes drafts, but, um, and in some of the best ball stuff too, but uh, he's still a very nice value. And even guys like Lamb, who I thought would be, you know, buzzier, he was, if anything, I feel like his ADP's fallen a little bit recently. Lamb, yeah, he, so Lamb, Lamb has fallen in ADP as Ayuk and Rager have risen in mm-hmm. ADP because you know there's just only so much hype to go around, and and there's always going to be a couple people in every draft who's like, well, I'm not taking these rookie wide receivers. I need to get Mike Williams. I need to get Anthony Miller. I need to get Cole Beasley. I need to get John Brown. Like I, I need these established. Hey, we drafted John Brown in this. Take it easy. Well, you drafted John Brown because you needed you need to do the stack, which is yeah, we stacked him with Allen in the Kentucky League. That was the first time that I had taken in Keel Harry in any high stakes format. I've taken him in best ball and stuff, but that's my first share in a league that uh, that you know uh, actually matters. I I think my as now that we've done so many drafts, like what's kind of crystallizing for me of how I want to approach these rookies is there's that tier in the fifth, sixth round with the acres Dobbins and Swift. And I've been mixing in shares of Swift and acres there specifically in true zero RB builds when that's my first running back off. And then we all know we, these guys like Zach Moss, Antonio Gibson before the guy stuff, like those guys were just smashes much cheaper. And there's lots of other good rookie values. And then with wide receivers, you know, we've been smashing Chenault and to me, it's been in that other range where the Rager lamb, Judy Ruggs range we've been honing in on Rager I do want to start mixing in more lamb we did that in our uh our tri-managed team and another guy I want to get more of there is Ruggs so I think what I'm trying to say is like picking your spots at these guys that are properly valued and spreading it out and then continuing to hammer the guys like Zach Moss and LaVisca Chenault who are way underpriced and Ayuk we we passed on Ayuk to take John Brown um, to get that stack and we also had John Paulson on who was saying he's higher on Brown so it, it, it did make some sense but I, I regret it I wish we went with Ayuk um, 
things are looking obviously that this was pre hurt injury. That's even more bullish now for Ayuk and he's someone that I think you could just absolutely see smash this year. I was actually reading an article on the athletic about, the athletic. um, yeah, of course. And it was the, the beat was basically saying, who is the deep threat on this team? Is it Jarek McKinnon? Like who actually has speed? I, I think it might be Ayuk. Um, he was, he led the nation in yards after catch last year, but a lot of that was not just on like slant routes and screens and stuff. He had tons of yards after catch on deep balls. Um, and I think even though he's not like a true burner that he should be uh, he's, he's got size, he's got like these crazy long arms. I think he could be uh, the deep option to start the season and maybe for the entire year in that offense. Do we have any good training camp stuff coming out about Ayuk? You know, we've heard, we've, we've heard that, uh, you know, Mike McCarthy views CD lamb as, you know, a, a number one wide receiver that they think they can have three 1000 yard wide receivers. We've, we've seen obviously all of the, 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 the LaVisca hype has been incredible uh, to, to witness from the outside. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've all been, very into the uh, the visca two live highlights but you know i haven't i have not seen anything specific from the san francisco area beat writers on Ayuk, you know being a standout or being bad you know neither way just haven't really heard much other than really the herd injury i haven't heard a ton about Ayuk specifically other than that he's just like you know keeps moving up the depth chart <laughs> that in this this point where we are now starting we, you can feel this year the the hunger for training camp blurbs like i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to be the full debbie downer because it is just so fun to have this stuff back but the kind of leaps in the a yes. to c thoughts that people are making from these blurbs like i saw one earlier where cam Akers, it's a grainy footage and he just catches a little pass in the flat and someone's like the beat report goes cam Akers, you know demonstrating how well he catches the ball with his fingers and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> I mean, right we, had, we had an, a photo of AJ Green with no pads on that was taken on a cell phone through a pair of binoculars, Peter. And this was, <laughs> this was making the rounds this morning. Like, this is how thirsty people are for training camp news. And, and I actually think, you know, something that you guys have been talking about on ship chasing is that the ADPs end up being very efficient by that weekend in Las Vegas. And, I actually think without preseason games, I don't know if we're going to end up seeing the ADPs for the zero RB guys getting that inefficient because we're literally not going to have anything to go on other than training camp reports and and injuries. Yeah, and I I wonder how many of these nuggets are getting captured. Like, So, for example, in the Chiefs' backfield, it looks like for now it's Daryl Williams. That's Over DeAndre. Over DeAndre. Yeah, and so we just may have had that wrong. Um, but I'm not willing pre-season... to go there yet. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why. It didn't seem like DeAndre Washington was working with the ones at all yesterday. I don't know why that is. Maybe that'll change. Maybe he was just nursing something. Um, but, yeah, Williams was, like, very heavily involved right after CEH. So, well, I mean, um, he, he knows the offense already. He, he, they, there is no preparations or extra stuff they have to do to tell Daryl where to be and what to do. He, just, but, he already knows it. 
but the, this is what I mean though about how absurd it is to draw conclusions after like one day like I le- I was reading one about the Titans and stuff and it was like Derrick Henry ended up like leaving to go to the locker room they were just kind of like managing one thing like there could be literally any reason Anything. in the world of yeah. why Darrell Williams it could be they drew rock paper scissors for who was going to go with the first like why are we reading yeah. into this well like, we're not I mean we're not like changing our entire draft philosophy but i do think it's something to pay attention to and then because we're going to have less concrete information um it's just something to stay up on pete you got to learn how to grind the news man so yeah and this is my literally you need to grind the news bro you need to learn what's no you need to learn to know what's noise and what's real do you know what i have I have a contact grind high. Like I am grinding the night, the, the second hand grind smoke <laughs> from everyone where I know all the news just by getting a contact high. Uh, but let's, let's to Pete's point, I, I want to talk a little about the Hawkinson thing because that was an example of my, us. My like, man Pat did the grinding. Yeah, yeah, I did some grinding on Hawkinson because we got this report yesterday that Hawkinson wasn't 100% on his ankle. He's just going to try to play through it. It did not sound good. And then another beat reporter came out, I think like basically at the same time, but I saw it later. And he was saying how great Hawkinson looked. He was making this leaping over the catch shoulder in stride. Um, he's just like, looks great out there. He said, maybe he still wasn't a hundred percent, but he was great. He was a hundred percent running routes. So, you know, it's this type of stuff where I think you don't want to get too carried away with one report, but it's, it's better to know it than, than not know it when we're not going to have the the preseason stuff to go on. Well, that Hawkinson one is actually very instructive at this point too, because I ended up reading the screenshot that Pat sent me and it, the beat reporter said after talking to him that his hesitation was more mental, you know, which if anyone's ever come off of an injury, you know, you're not super excited to press down on that, you know, foot right away if your ankle is tender. But he's saying that we're it's getting fully a, rehab. We're getting a hand in the dirt take from Peter over I mean, here. I just like <laughs> literally these guys. I, I just can't take it. I just are. I just need the season to start. But to going to to pull back on all this, people stop it. People are gonna make massive uh adjustment mistakes to these beat news whereas the preseason has been extremely informative seeing those personnel groupings who looks good blah 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 this year people are going to be massive mistakes as denny carter says adjusting their ranks so the hawkinson thing verbatim this is the quote monday hawkinson looked very fluid running routes from several different alignments he said he felt the ankle a little bit sounded more like a mental hurdle than a physical one but that he's a full go if a little rusty a huge step so it's like you can spin this as like, oh, God, his ankle's not 100%, or like he's made huge strides, he's going to crush the season. So I do want to – while we're talking about the Detroit stuff, I guess first off, I'm, I think I agreed with your original take, Pat, which was you can move Hawkinson below Gasicki and Fant now, but I'm not moving him out. Like, I'm not I don't moving recall him saying Gasicki. Well – those among those amongst us who have good rankings and good tiers, um, we can we 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 have him there. Uh, so I, I think I but I'm not putting him down there with Jarwin, Ian Thomas, the, those guys yet. Um, so the I, only I the only problem with kind of making those slight tweaks is it's like well then Hawkinson's going to become a value, right? He's going to slip into the 11th or 12th instead of the 9th or 10th, and, right. and then it's like okay, so are we passing up on him in the 12th if we're getting a discount? No. Or are we just passing up on him at current cost if it's not baked in? 
I, yeah, the point I made was that I have been taking Hawkinson over Fant basically every single time because I just yeah. think he, he was the better prospect and his rookie season was stronger and I like the quarterback play better. But now with that decision, I'll probably lean Fant for the time being, if anything, to get myself personally some more exposure to Fant. But if Hawkinson's going to drop by even a round, then I'm just going to take the discount. I think that at a round would more than price in whatever ankle uncertainty there is. Right. So while we're here on the Lions, I, I want to talk about something that is going to get prickly with you two, which is that I, I think DeAndre Swift might now be part of like a modified zero RB build in the fifth for sure. And I would maybe start thinking about him earlier than that if Carrion continues to not practice. So on Saturday, it was Carrion Johnson's birthday. The Lions official Twitter account tweeted out a picture of him in a leg brace that, I mean, honest to God, Peter, we've hung out in person. Actually, both of us have. That leg brace was bigger than me, I think, is, is probably the most accurate <laughs> way to, uh, to put that. And now we're getting reports that Carrion's not practicing, you know, getting, getting days off already. Like, is, is DeAndre Swift 2020 Miles Sanders, Pat? Well, Pete, I want to get your thoughts first on what it's like to come out of a leg brace and, and to trust that leg. Again. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about trusting a knee after it's given out on you first. Yeah, well, some of us are actually athletes and uh, know what, how this stuff goes down. But first of all, I'll let, I'll let Pat talk. But we, we're not out on DeAndre Swift. We drafted him at 6'5 in our quad squad with our Rotoviz bros. Uh, I do think, like I said, I'm, I'm mixing in him and Akers there in true zero RB builds as my first running back off the table. I have no point or uh, any disagreement on him being a good pick there. Yeah, agreed. And uh, Swift has been the guy for me over Akers in that range. Um, he's been the guy for me over acres and dynasty. I just think he, his pass catching really jumps out and carry on Johnson has been, um, I think the bigger threat to get the touchdown work. But if that changes, if Swift can basically be getting a bunch of receptions and goal line carries, then he's an awesome value. And I think the miles Sanders comparison is apt. I actually, I was like going back and forth, some guys on Twitter and I made that same comparison. Um, and then was specifically kind of comparing the situation with you know Jordan Howard versus Carryon Johnson, it got a lot of pushback. Like, how dare you compare Carryon Johnson to Jordan Howard? But you know, I think that it's it could be a little similar in that um, Swift, I think, is very clearly the better receiver, and I think Carryon, if he's healthy, is a pretty good rusher between the tackles, but wouldn't necessarily have a complete lock on the goal line work where, you know, Swift probably needs half that goal line work. And if he's getting like, I think he's got, I think he's got paths to like 55, 60 receptions. Um, and I think if he is what we think he is, then he should be looking at 45 or so receptions uh, in a, in a pretty much full-time role um, as that lead guy there. And that, that'll pay off his ADP, I think pretty regularly. Are you, are you in line with that Pete? Yeah, I am. So I think the reason why Swift is going to start to become a priority for me is I'm not, I'm not really worried about the goal line work. I could definitely see that mattering to, or, or see that playing out to some degree, but the lions are so pass heavy and have been so pass heavy for long stretches of Stafford's career. And then also 
Stafford played so well last year. You know, that, that eight-game stretch really was uh, – like I remember thinking about MVP stuff when he got hurt last year and being like, well, yeah, he's probably been like the fourth or fifth best quarterback in the NFL. And I uh, – and you guys were talking about this on your ship-chasing episode the other day when we were talking – when you guys were trying to not spoil – uh, Pat's tight end research was that like they were so bad when they switched quarterbacks when Driscoll and Blau were playing like that it's kind of clouding our opinion of Galladay of Marvin Jones of TJ Hawkinson and you know like it wouldn't surprise me if Swift ends up being like a 65% uh, backfield opportunity back in like the eighth best offense in football or something like that which would be I mean, which would mean like he's basically a league winning player at that point going in the fifth round. Yeah, I definitely think he has that in his range of outcomes. It, it's he he's a really nice pick still, I think, in the fifth round. Once you get into the fourth, though, that then you have Jonathan Taylor in that range. And Taylor has been getting a ton of buzz. So um, much buzz. Yeah. Yeah. It, and the other nice thing about where Swift and Akers have been going is you're you're slamming all of those great wide receiver targets in the fourth and the fifth round. You know, you're grabbing up Sutton, DJ Chark, uh, Metcalf, all those guys, and then they come off the board, and then there's a little bit of a dead zone. There's uh, a lull. Yeah, I would – yeah, from – I guess sometimes people are reaching for Gallup and stuff in that range, but to me it's just a logical pit stop for a running back and then you can come back and grab a Christian Kirk or McCole Hardman or whoever Nikhil Harry after that. But I don't see a ton of opportunity cost normally where Deandre Swift is going, but to Pat's point, if he inches up there, I'm still not drafting him over a guy like Diggs or Sutton or whoever. So I want to, I want to admit something in the safety of this podcast. I, I did actually adjust my rankings after I saw the AJ Dillon photo. I like, I like did, I like did, I like did legitimately move him up like three spots because I was just That's like, amazing. well, for, I, I also think that we're getting some good beat chatter on Jamal Williams, maybe not making the team and Dexter Williams making the team over him because Dexter Williams is a good special teams player. Uh, you know, has, has played special teams for, for, you know, played it in college, played it last year for them as well. And Jamal Williams, not as much of a special teamer. Tyler Irvin getting a little bit of buzz there too, as a guy, the special teams coach just loves. And uh, do you think, do you think he's good enough to be captain of the special teams though? Well, that's a, that's a very high bar. (laughs) I don't know about that. I, I saw a take on Twitter and I apologize because I don't remember who said it. And I like the take in that it was the Packers are going to kind of try to emulate what the saints did where they have an alpha wide receiver and Michael Thomas, you know, Devonte Adams in this instance, and then go to, you know, your thunder and lightning with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, the Latavius Murray, Alvin Kamara, where it's just like, those are going to be your best weapons on offense. You don't have much beyond that at tight end and in depth wide receiver, and you're just going to build around that. And if that thesis is true, then AJ Dillon is massively undervalued right now. Well, particularly if he's not Latavius Murray, but Mark Ingram. <laughs> or, sorry, that's what I meant. Mark Ingram. Yeah. 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 And in that case, then he's just an absolute smash. I mean, a true absolute smash at his ADP. So I, I've started to work him in a little bit more, not, not being facetious. The ranks, the ranks were adjusted after seeing the uh the training camp report the other guy who i have well two guys who i've adjusted the ranks on damian harris and rex burkhead so first off uh i is there is james white banged up or something but like in these in these patriots training camp reports uh the three running backs that have been playing with cam newton jared sim and brian hoyer have been 
Rex Burkhead, Damian Harris, and J.J. Taylor or Patrick Taylor. I don't remember which one it is, but an undrafted free agent running back. Pat, do you, do you know if there's a reason James White is not practicing? I haven't heard that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that that Harris and Burkhead, I mean, it's like their stock's way up. Michelle's way stock's up. way down. Yeah. So I think you got to decide uh, – well, I, you don't even really have to decide. I think both Harris's ADP, Harris's ADP is fine. Um, it hasn't really shot up a ton. And then uh, Burkhead's ADP, I mean, he's like free. And I think it's partly because Lamar Miller has kind of, you know, kept some of the, the value down there. I mean, in the Kentucky draft, Lamar Miller was taking rounds ahead of Burkhead, which yeah, that we selected was... Burkhead. Yeah. yeah. And I think that uh, Miller, he, he may not, not even gonna, start not the gonna, season. He's... He's not going to make the team, I don't think. Yeah, he probably won't make the team. And even if he does, he, he'll probably start on Pup. So I, I don't see any point in drafting him. But um, Harris and Burkhead both look like values right now. And Harris, I think – or sorry, and White is uh, assuming everything's fine with his health and stuff. I think someone that you should be trying to mix in in best ball. Are you, are you, are you on board with Damian Harris and Rex Burkhead at cost right now, Pete? Yeah, although I much prefer Rex Burkhead. I just normally find other uh, running backs in the in the Harris range that I prefer over him. And uh, yeah, I think what was the was it you who posted a blurb on Burkhead this morning? What, it, what oh, exactly buddy, I've been gr- I've been I've been grinding the news. I, I, I am just an I'm an FFPC news and information grinder now, bud. <laughs> I yeah. I am your your enemy. James White was out there by the way yesterday catching passes. Um, Maybe not with Cam Newton for some reason. But. I guess, I guess, I mean, James White has been on the team. This is a sixth season on the team. Like, what do they need to see from him? Like, yeah, it's exactly. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so I think this is an interesting exercise then. Damian Harris, the last two days, 13 drafts in the Football Guides Players Championship, $300, $350 entry. This is where he's going. He's going as the RB50, 129th overall. Uh, these are the picks that are preceding him. Tony Pollard, Daryl Henderson, Boston Scott, Keyshawn Vaughn, Duke Johnson, Chase Edmonds. Then it goes Damian Harris. He's right next to A.J. Dillon. He's right next to DeAndre Washington, actually going ahead of Sony Michelle. So basically, he is the last – well, he and A.J. Dillon are the last premium zero RB targets, basically. Do you, do you think that's the right ranking, Pat? Well, I would definitely be taking him over Edmonds. Um, I would take him over Duke Johnson. Those are not guys that I've really been targeting. I don't, they don't really jump out to me among the zero running back targets. So it's easy enough for me to move them ahead. I, you know, Edmonds didn't really catch any passes last year. He doesn't have any goal line equity. So I think Harris, if he has that lead job, would, would definitely beat those two. I would still prefer like Boston Scott and the earlier guys you mentioned. And I think AJ Dillon, like Harris, should be above the other two. And he is someone that I would consider in that first group. Yeah, and like in our you, yeah, in our KFFSC draft, you know, Damian Harris went in the twelfth. We took Rex Burkhead in the sixteenth. I think there's, you know, I think you can make just about as good of a case for Rex Burkhead uh, getting that role as Damian Harris at this point. I I think their ADP should probably be much closer, you know, together in the you know the fourteenth round or so because I am taking Darrington Evans, AJ Dillon, uh, and I I would even take Duke Johnson over Damian. We're Harris. we're not even that far removed from Rex Burkhead being like a fourth round pick in fantasy football. <laughs> I remember that. Right, I know. Um, actually, before why and also just... contract your narrative, dude. Contract oh. year for Rex Burkhead. Oh, Love God. it. 
<laughs> hey God, why we're talking about other bees in my uh, training camp grinder bonnet. Let's just yeah, talk about this Darrington Evans thing that happened the other day. So in the, it was before they went padded practice, he had a couple of drops that apparently a few people observed and fumbles, all of yeah. Twitter. Oh, it was fumbles. A, all yeah. of Twitter was ready to anoint Derrick Henry as just a guy who's going to get 400 carries, all the pass work, never coming off the field. I mean, this guy has to be drafted at 101 under this thesis. And yet, then a few days later, it's like, oh, no, you know, Darrington Evans looks great in practice. He's shifty. He's catching balls. I mean, the overreactions to this stuff is just – it's out of control, guys. Yeah, no, I agree. I, you know, because Henry is now – I think he went at 106 in the KFFSC draft. Uh, Derrick Henry Thomas. has officially jumped the shark. Yeah, I, I'm not really on board with it. Uh, I just – he's never been used in a three-down role. If he is used in a three-down role, he will he will crush his ADP. He will. I mean, he should be probably like the 102 if he's using a three-down role. But I, I just don't think that he will be. And I, I, I'm going to need more than like a couple Darrington Evans fumbles to update that prior. And it, it's literally just – a oh, they're not going to give him – 35 carries a game like they've always used someone else in a change of pace role so even if they use him a little bit more in the screen game it, it still means there's 10 to 15 touches available for other running backs in that offense I mean we all agree that Dion Lewis was terrible last year right yeah. like did not did not even come close to uh what we expected of him from a fantasy perspective or anything he still played 37 percent of the team snaps in the regular season right like the team can give Derrick Henry all the money. They can do whatever they want. They can say whatever they want, but it's, it, he just does not profile as a guy who should be playing on passing downs a ton. And we all like universally expect them to be in more negative game scripts this year than they were last year. Like they, they kicked one field goal after Ryan Tannehill took over. They just scored touchdowns on every drive. It, it's very, very unlikely to repeat itself. It's just yeah, setting up to get, it's just set up to get owned by Derrick Henry so hard. Derrick, there is no more lib owning player in the National Football League than Derrick Henry. Well, I will say, like, if you want to get some exposure to Henry, do it in underdog. Do it in the half point PPR format. Um, you know, yeah. where going with the hyper fragile running back start. You know, where you just take like three to four running backs in the entire draft, but you get them all early. Like, get your Derrick Henry exposure that way. Um, I, I still think that reaching for him in these high-stakes managed leagues is, is not the way to go. You, uh, you have to take him over Travis Kelsey, over George Kittle, a lot of the times in those formats, and I would so much rather lock up that, uh, that elite tight end. Oh, here's something that would be interesting to talk about because someone was asking Pat and I about um, – not having a ton of Michael Thomas this year as it pertains to being zero RB guys. Cause you would imagine yeah. that that's normally who you would be taking take. in the, as I was kind of thinking through it, especially as it pertains to FFPC settings, it's really hard to get Michael Thomas because you know, if you're drafting one of those top five running backs that we're still on board to do. And then if you're at like six or seven, I'm often wanting to lock up Travis Kelsey because I'm worried I'm not going to get Kittle coming back in the second. And then you basically have to be at like 10 or 11 and have Michael Thomas fall to you to the point where you feel comfortable grabbing but Michael you Thomas. Get Kittle. 
you yeah. get Kittle. So that's why I don't have a lot of him, but it does, it has nothing to do with Michael Thomas as the player. I'd be very happy to have him as my wide receiver one. Pat, what did you think when you saw that question? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think if we had had the 105 in our main, I think we would have a share of Thomas. Uh, we had the 104 until Camara, and that was when Cook's holdout was making him like not even in consideration at that high of a pick. But um, yeah, we haven't really been, it's like a very specific setup because I agree with you. Like once you get down a little later and you know, you're not going to have a chance to get the tight end on the way back and it's a little too early to select Andrews in the early second, then, um, I'd rather start with the tight end. So, uh, yeah, I, I do feel a little underexposed to Thomas this year, which is a weird feeling considering, you know, we do tend to prefer wide receivers early, but actually because of the way that the board shakes out this year and we like the wide receivers in rounds two, three, four, and five so much. He actually like in a weird way does not fit the zero R the, the official thesis of the zero RB uh, argument is that you want it. You want to just be crushing at quarterback tight end and wide receiver every single week. And in the FFPC format, it's very important to get uh, Kelsey Kittle or Mark Andrews and you know all, all three of us do really like to take Dak and Kyler and Deshaun Watson there in the sixth and seventh round so like in a weird way Michael Thomas like doesn't fit those builds a lot of the time because that if you're taking Michael Thomas you're doing the full Blair Andrews where the first running back you take is Tariq Cohen in the 11th round yeah I in, think that's true and it get it can get really gross too like so when I did my pros versus Joes I was in the 12th slot and Kelsey Kittle and Michael Thomas all go, which then it's so frustrating because then you know Mark Andrews isn't coming back to you at 312. And the the zero RB teams that I've built, like the one we did with Hassan and Blair that I love, is when we are hammering everyone at every slot other than running back. Because, you know, we're rolling out Kyler, Kittle, and four alpha wide receivers. That's going to be really tough for teams to compete with. But when you get stuck, in that slot and yeah you're hammering them at wide receiver but you don't have a massive advantage at quarterback and tight end that's where zero rb can get more suspect so the thing with the tight ends like and we're we have uh, another football guys draft we'll do before the end of the year in our main event we know we have the 101 so obviously not taking thomas there but but let's say we were to get a mid first and the last football guys were doing then i would i would be open to taking thomas because while I really like Kelsey, I really like Kittle, I'm super hyped on Andrews. There are tight ends later that I do like. We talked about Hawkinson. I'm still on him. I'm definitely in uh, on him. I like Higby a lot. Pete, I know you're not super hyped on Higby, but I, I, the tight end research I did really put me maybe, even more maybe excited on him. Pat, maybe, me and, maybe me and you should do a team and just draft all the guys that Peter doesn't like. Let's, yeah, that's a good and idea. Then, and then Peter and I can do a team, and we won't take Rojo or Chenault. And you can I, take a secchi. I don't like, like the, the framing six. of this because Pat definitely has way more opinions and preferences on oh, guys. It's, than I it's, That's true. it's 100% That's true. It's 100% true that Pat is the driver of like the hyper specific player selection with you guys, no doubt. Because yeah. I, I, I just care more about the construction. And, and I will tie this back to the tight end thing. The reason I greatly prefer one of those elite tight ends is because it frees you up not to have to waste two roster spots on one. Whereas if you are waiting to the Hawkinson Gasecki tier, I don't feel you comfortable got, just you having take one. Two. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Well, 
I just wanted to say that there's some later guys like in these best ball leagues that I'm actually trying to get a little bit away from the two tight end construction that I've just been hammering throughout because I am starting to get a little bit more excited about Chris Herndon. Um, I just think available targets. You got Mims banged up. Um, Adam and Evan talked about this on their pot. Uh, you've got uh, the Jets now saying that Herndon's the starter. Herndon's rookie year was super strong. So he's kind of that post hype candidate guy. He's someone that I've been trying to figure out ways to get more of. And then the other dude that I'm, you know, it's kind of a gross one, but I'm trying to figure out how to draft a little bit more Jay Sternberger to leave that third, you know, three tight end constructions, which generally you're not going to take Sternberger if you have like an Andrews uh, and, and, and like a hot. Are you, are you worried are you, that Sternberger still hasn't practiced? I was just going to say, you haven't been grinding the beats enough. Yeah, he has not heard about the Robert the athletic hard enough. The Robert Tanyan uh, report today. Oh, maybe I should be on Tanyan. The thing with Sternberg, the reason I like him is because he's a pretty. He you just had got a, outworked, Pat. Oh, geez. Oh, God. Now he's on the COVID list, but um, I just think that they don't have like anyone. Well, maybe I need to look in a bit more into Tanyan, but but I do think that uh, Sternberger, given what he did in college, he had, was had a really nice receiving share, and it's just like they straight up don't have other people to throw to. So. Hang on. Let me read this for Pat. Since it's so it's, really, it's a very funny quote. All right. This is from uh, Matt Schneidman, Green Bay Packers writer for The Athletic. I don't know if you've heard of it, Pat. Um, Matt LaFleur says Robert Tanyan is absolutely in play to be tight end one. Sounds like MLF is pleased in what he has with Tanyan and Sternberger as two pass catchers atop that group. All right, dude. You you just outgrinded me. Uh, I'll move off the <laughs> Sternberger. Just got, too. I can't I'll believe I just... The fact wow. that I just witnessed a noted news and information grinder, Peter Overzet, do his thing. Like, I just, I feel like it's watching like Babe Ruth hit a home run or something. Contact high news grinder over here. <laughs> that was a real, <laughs> real impressive move. Pete. All right. But, but are you with me on um, Chris Herndon? Yes. Yeah. I, I think that it's sort of all, like, every, it's, um, it's like everything that we believed last year was true. He just isn't suspended for eight, eight games or whatever. Okay. Like we, yeah. we all Herndon was Herndon was like, uh, like he was getting touted on, on the ESPN fantasy football podcast. Like he was, he was a mainstream sleeper. And that also is one of the, and we can roast us for our pick of Hunter Henry in the KFFFC draft. Oh. So we took him in the 10th Herndon goes in the 17th and that, I mean, that Herb just, Smith jr. Yeah. We took him with our second to last pick. Yeah. we Hang yeah, on. We I also want to, I want to go on the record. Because, Davis, you're out here saying that I picked him. First of all, Pat was literally the one drafting. And if you roll back the tape, I was pushing for Boston Scott. And I'm not blaming Ooh. Pat. You were, we, you were pushing for Boston Scott with about two seconds left to go. And I couldn't – my nimble <laughs> fingers couldn't get Boston Scott up you, the cube fast enough. I, I got to say, Peter is an incredibly nimble drafter. He doesn't panic. He gets the – like, it's, it's pretty impressive. Well, I've done about a hundred. Timed out on Marlon Mack. He's not that nimble. <laughs> no, that, we have Marlon Mack for twenty seconds on our team. That was a software error by FFP. <laughs> oh, okay. <Software> uh, so I another another late round tight end. If we are if we are gonna do this, the the drum beat. Do you hear it? It's starting to get kind of loud for Eric Ebron. We're we're hearing, uh, mm. we're hearing from training camp that the um that the team is planning on playing more 12 personnel with vance and ebron and uh you know i do follow pat thorman on twitter and uh a more a more eager and vicious eric ebron truther has never existed it's really incredible 
the Ebron stuff's funny because they they're basically just saying like we cannot get this dude to block. Like they're making him do the, like the <laughs> yeah. blocking sled and stuff. They're just like he he hates it. He hates to block. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of great. Like they're just gonna have to use him as a receiver. I also uh, speaking of me grinding news reports. Another thing that can uh, you know lead us to the Eric Ebron take here is someone said uh, Big Ben was kind of short arming his deep throws. Mm. I hate that. I know this. I hate. Yeah, that dude, you're, I, you're a secret grinder, dude. dude. I, I can't believe how much <laughs> Peter has been influenced by his environment of all these drafts. Like he just, he's like, he doesn't want to give up the competitive advantage of not knowing that Ben's been short arming his deep throws. <laughs> now <laughs> I know why he wasn't responding to my chats because he was, he was already, already grinding in the athletic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if big Ben can't throw it deep to James Washington and Deontay Johnson, I mean, this has to mean Eric Ebron just eating up targets 15 yards over the middle of the field with Juju, right? Yeah, although I don't know if you saw the Chase Claypool. Uh, oh, my you know, God. That one his was leaping absurd. catch on air, you know. He just he beat the – he mossed that fake cornerback. Dude, I am I'm serious. I could go – I could go film a highlight reel right now, like at a school, and based on what impresses these people, they would think that I was like the next Julian Edelman. Sounds I mean, like the, a TikTok the, to me. <laughs> Maybe it's, I should. Do I actually it. think this is a good. Yeah, this is a good move for your TikTok career. It's got should like I do it with my shirt that. off and just really just try to go all in and get all of the engagements? Only if you want to go first round, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's. Uh, I think it's a a pretty solid idea. Uh, okay, last thing I want to talk about, then we can get out of here. Uh, an, another guy who uh, is getting some high praise via training camp Twitter, Irv Smith Jr. Been roasting uh vikings defensive backs in practice and just you know i was kind of i've just been combing through my projections and you know moving aj Dillon up based on the size of his calves and just you know seeing what seeing what things are are needing to get ready for the season and just looking at this vikings depth chart i mean what is really stopping irv smith jr from 20 percent of the vikings targets pat like is like look seriously well it's not kyle rudolph i don't know if you saw on the athletic uh had a really funny note. Uh, he did 73 observations for 73 players on the Vikings. Talking up Irv Smith. <laughs> I oh, my. <laughs> listen to this. Listen to this. He says, here's, here's a quote. I haven't noted much about Kyle Rudolph, negative or positive at the moment, and that's the result of not keeping track of him more than anything to say about his performance thus far. He just didn't bother to look at him. Sounds like it could have been Kyle 72. Rudolph. Sounds yeah. like he sounds like he wasn't grinding hard enough. Sounds he wasn't like grinding Peter the Rudolph him. <laughs> yeah. But then, of course, he has right above that a tweet of Irv Smith catching a touchdown and says he's looked good as a blocker. He's looked good uh, lining up out wide, so or rather in the slot. So, yeah, I think Irv Smith's stock is up. Yeah, I mean, he he to me seems like everyone is is kind of rushing to to draft Justin Jefferson, but like, shouldn't Irv Smith probably get more targets than him this year? Not not well, rushing. Justin, he's not he's not that popular, I guess. The word on Justin Jefferson has not been all that bullish. Great. It's basically like yeah. he looks like a rookie. Now it's like he doesn't look bad, but he's not and he looks like maybe they can move him around. But they're basically they're they're still hoping they can play him outside so they can move Thielen into the slot. Uh if they can't do that, then you you could see Jefferson splitting time with Irv Smith in the slot. Um, you know, assuming Rudolph's lined up in line more. So for Herb Smith, we probably want Justin Jefferson to be good enough to play outside, I guess. No, I think we don't. I think because then then Thielen's in the slot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Right, yeah. Yeah. You want him competing directly with Jefferson. 
here's still the thing though with all of these tight ends right and why i still think it's so important to get one of these elite ones is you're when we are targeting these breakout tight ends we were talking about hawkins and fan gasecki all this we are trying to bink one of these guys becoming a top five tight end who gets the volume where they're a plug and play start for you every single week without hesitation even if Herndon and guys like Irv Smith, I don't personally see it in their range of outcomes to become top five like every week starters. Yeah. And I think they can be great bi-week fill-ins, great depth if someone gets hurt, but they're still not exciting me in a way where I think they're going to fundamentally change my starting lineup because I'm not going to know when to start these guys. Dare I say I prefer them in best ball. I agree with you on Irv Smith, but I do not on Herndon. I think Herndon does have a top five season in his range of outcomes just because he was so good as a rookie. And there's just a ton of target uncertainty. I mean, like Mims, Perriman, Crowder, like Crowder, we're just assuming is going to get a ton of targets, but Crowder's not very good. Hey, so sir, I, is I, good, I am not assuming that. And I think Crowder sucks. And I want you to tell that to Michael Leone and the establish the run slack. All right. I'll, run, I'll, run, I'll, run, t- run, tell that. I'll run over and tell them. But yeah, because I think people are just, when you project out the Jets, you have, the targets have to go somewhere. And for now they're going to Crowder, but I think that Herndon could take a lot of those targets. And, uh, you know, as a tight end, like that's really what it comes down to. Are you going to get targeted at a really high rate? And he showed that he can be efficient on his targets as well. So, you know, uh, there's obviously the Adam Gase factor, but um, I, I think that Herndon has a ceiling that some of these other guys don't. I I agree. I, I think Herndon could lead the Jets in targets, basically, and I don't see that as a range of outcomes for Hunter Henry, uh, just specifically. No no reason to mention Hunter Henry. Just just wanted to. Throw <laughs> oh, no <that> reason. <laughs> uh, Pete, what do we what do we have to look forward to this week on the the ship chasing stream? Well, I just wish Pat would have told me he was so high on Herndon before we were drafting like Devin Azigbo over him <laughs> in our KFFSC draft. We already <laughs> had two tight ends, dude. Kind of a bombshell to me. <laughs> a bomb your, your Hunter shell. Henry call ruined it. <laughs> we, we, we took the Philly defense with Herndon still on the board. <laughs> Shameful, bro. <laughs> well, we can, we can revisit in the FFPC with the tight end premium. Well, yeah. what, what night are we drafting all together in the listener league? Yeah, we need to get that scheduled. We, uh, we're trying to spin up some other satellites uh, for people who didn't get in, but I think it will be one of the next two Sundays is when we will get that on the books. All right. Beautiful. Uh, everyone follow Peter on Twitter at Peter Overzet. Follow Pat Corain at Pat Corain and uh, listen to Ship Chasing. Read uh, all of Pat's stuff on Establish the Run uh follow oh, Peter on say, tiktok i'm launching a new pod with mike leone uh yes I you are just hit itunes today so establish the edge check that out too establish the edge everybody uh there we go all right everyone thanks for listening build digital first customer relationships with salesforce digital 360 connect every marketing commerce and digital experience on a single platform Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.